Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on the Film & Whiskey Podcast, we'll be engaging in our time-honored tradition of throwing movies into the fiery furnace. Then we'll be trying three whiskeys from our friends at Barrel Craft Spirits. This is the Film & Whiskey Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Film and Whiskey Podcast. I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. And it is freaking bracket time, Brad G. Here we are. Season seven. The most wonderful time of the year. It really is. And it's coinciding with the holiday season. Yeah, pretty much. I'm so pumped. Uh, If this is your first time listening to a Film and Whiskey Bracket Challenge episode, welcome in. You're in for a treat. Because Mm. this is how this is going to go. It's the end of season seven. Brad and I are feeling a little loosey-goosey. It's 8.30 p.m., which is well past our bedtime as old farts. Yes, sir. I'm not only drinking whiskey tonight, Brad. I'm like sipping on a beer while we do this. A celebratory end of season <laughs> ale. It's a it's a great way to, fr- you know, fresh up your palate. Mm-hmm. I just love when you have a whiskey podcast, the way that you like break tradition is like, I'm going to have a beer tonight. Ooh. <laughs> it's like my special <laughs> occasion alcohol. It's true, man. I have so much whiskey in the house that I feel bad buying almost any alcohol, mm-hmm. but that leads to a dearth of beer in my life. And every once in a while, I'll just look at Haley and be like, babe, I'm going to buy a six pack. Yep. And she's like, do you really need more alcohol in the house? And I'm like, that's a great question. And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Well, we could never get enough alcohol on this podcast, apparently, because in addition to my beer, we are trying three whiskeys today from our friends at Barrel Craft Spirits. We have said time and time again that among all whiskey producers, Barrel might be our favorite brand out there, Brad. It just, yeah, I've never had a whiskey from them that I haven't liked. And that's really saying something. Yeah, 100%. Barrel is a blender of whiskeys. I think we are trying a five-year blend from them today. Now, Bob, do you know if that's their whiskey or if it's still going to be a blend? Yeah. So the first one we're going to be trying today, Brad, is their newest release, which they call Barrel Foundation Bourbon. Like you said, this is a five-year age-stated bourbon. It is a blend of straight bourbon whiskeys. It's sourced whiskey that Barrel blends. It's their their standard process. But I think what they're intending with this specific label is for this to be kind of their baseline offering moving forward. It's priced, I think, a little bit lower than most of their whiskeys are, which tend to be kind of in the premium range. You know, you'll see barrel stuff in like the 70, 80, $90 range. I am I like, don't quote me on this. I want to say this is only going to sell for like $50, $55. The barrel lawyers are on their way, Bob. <laughs> How dare you undercut our sales here? But yeah, I'm really excited for them to have a product like this, Brad. And they sent us uh, some nice little cards with all the info we need on it. Uh, Here's the blend. It's Kentucky bourbon that's eight years old. 
It's Indiana bourbon that is five, six, and nine years old. There's Tennessee bourbon that's eight years old. There's bourbon from Maryland that's five and six years old. Ooh. Yeah, it's a high rye mash bill in the blend. And while we sip on this one, Brad, let's let's break down a little bit what today's episode is going to look like. So I'm pouring this foundation out in my glass right now, and I've been talking too long. So can you explain to our listeners what the bracket challenge looks like? Yeah, so we take the 32 films that we have just reviewed and place them in a March Madness style bracket. We compile the rankings by Bob and I each take the list of 32 movies and without looking at our scores we gave them, the IMDb scores, anything, we just kind of go, we follow the the feelings of our heart. Mm. We go by our gut. Mm -hmm. And we rank them one through 32. Mm -hmm. We take those two lists. And do we take a IMDb list? So the third list that we take is just what's the highest based on the rating we gave it in the episode. So like at the end of okay. the season, we'll have. Oh, we had like four movies that scored a 10. And uh, if there needs to be a tiebreaker, I'll tiebreak it with the IMDb score. So like okay. if there's three movies that are tied at a 9.5, whatever has the highest IMDb score gets the nod there. So we take our, you know, by the heart lists and we kind of moderate them by what we felt in the moment. And mm -hmm. what that ends up doing, Brad, is, you know, we get a nice little average that gets all of us angry. Like, I think every time I see the final list of what the seeds are going to be, I'm like, this makes no sense. And that's how I know that it's a good list. Exactly. It's a, it's like a good compromise. Mm. Nobody's happy. <laughs> so, yeah, we take that final list where we combine all three of our rankings, and that provides the seeding for our 32 seed bracket. Now, we'll walk through each of the matchups in this bracket. So we've got 32 movies squaring off against each other. The criteria is that when you go head-to-head -head in a matchup, the loser is the movie that gets thrown into the fiery abyss never to be seen or heard from again. And so this is serious business, Brad. This is not just a game that we play while we drink. You have to really think about, what would the world be like without this piece of art in it? Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, we've done six seasons so that's what, 192 films? <laughs> and of those 192 films, we are not allowed to watch 186 of them. You know? They, yeah, not, not only are we not allowed to watch them, they're just eradicated from the yeah, face I of don't the even, earth. I don't even remember them. No. No, and that's the operative assumption here. So, Brad, before we dive into the bracket, let's try this first whiskey. I've got this barrel foundation poured out in my glass. I am itching to get into this. What are you picking up on the nose here? Dude. This is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a really nice, warm caramel drizzle with a little bit of orange slice. It, it almost has a bit of a marshmallow feel for me. Mm -hmm. I think the longer I've let it sit in my glass, the more I kind of get a, a really nice brown sugar, vanilla, classic bourbon feel but with enough nuance to it to say that this is a really nice nose. Yeah. I think the thing that I've learned about high rye bourbons is that I either want it to smell really, like, really, really rye forward, like tons of dill and that almost like sour rye note, or I want it to be almost indistinguishable from like a weeded bourbon. <laughs> like, it either needs to be really bold rye or really soft rye. And for me, this one is like, if you put this in front of me and said this was a weeded bourbon... I probably would have believed you. It's very soft. There's a lot of wood character here, really oaky, but the rye is not aggressive at all. This is clocking in at 100 proof, 
So it's been kind of nicely moderated. Uh, Brad, I'm going to take my sip here, but I, I can tell that you've already had yours. What are your tasting notes? Incredible. Mm. Yeah, Bob, th- this is just an incredible whiskey. I-, I think that a lot of the nosing notes carry through. It gets a little bit citrusy for me. The marshmallow comes through really strong on the palate. It's got a nice sugary sweetness to it. Uh, the brown sugar is there. It gets a tiny bit oaky throughout. Mm-hmm. There's some black pepper. I am a big fan of this. The The spices that are here are just enough to let you know they're present, but not enough to overwhelm the the really rich flavors elsewhere. This is interesting for me because this is the first barrel product I've ever had that if you asked me like in the blind, what brand do you think this is from? I don't think barrel would even come up on my radar here. Like yeah. it's so oaky that it's like I- I've mm. never had a barrel product this oaky before. And again, I will still say I've never had a product from barrel that I didn't like, including this one. But this is much more in the realm of like if you are a Buffalo Trace fan or even if you're like an Elijah Craig toasted barrel fan. I think this is Mm. this is like right up your alley. The flavor really does explode on your tongue, but you have to be in the mood for a really heavily oaky, almost that toasted oak, you know, kind of bitter herbal flavor. Brad, I'm super excited to get into the last two that we have for the day. But we're going to get there in a minute because it is time to dive into our bracket. Are you ready? Dude, I was born for this. Like, the fact that you have invited me onto this podcast, what, four or five years ago at this point? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And each and every season, every 32 weeks, I get an opportunity to crush your hopes and dreams. I was going to say, I have never... it's except, such a gift. Except for the Cleveland Browns. I don't know that there is an entity in my <laughs> life that I invite to to hurt me this much. Yeah. Just you. Yeah. You know, you are my Cleveland yeah. Browns. You're welcome, man. I mean, I literally preached this morning on how human suffering is not necessarily evil mm. and that actually like good can come from suffering. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'll next time I preach on it, I will use this as an example. When we enter into this, Brad, and we're about to do it now, are we, do you view us as like in competition with each other or are we like both in pursuit of the truth? Are we, are we both working toward the same goal? Well, I, I'm in pursuit of the truth Mm -hmm. and, and my truth is that your movie picks are bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So when we come to a log jam, inevitably, what we will do is we will flip the coin of destiny, which I have uh, foolishly always allowed Brad to flip. However, we do now have video capabilities when we record, so I can watch him at least flip it and then lie to me about what he sees off camera. So, uh, Brad, I love that it's it's 2023 and we just now have video capabilities. (laughs) You know, we're working our way up in the world, man. Brad will flip the coin when there is a stalemate that will make the choice as to what moves on. Brad, it is time to get into the season seven bracket. Bob, starting in our Northwest Quadrant, mm. which we we probably should name these. We probably, I think we talked about that last we week. We did, and we were like, we're totally going to do that for season seven, and then, you know, here we are. Yeah, uh, we're going to call this the cruise bracket. You did that last year. That was your- Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, well aware, the Bob. The Tom Cruise I'm, bracket. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm just going with tradition. Yep. Uh, in the Tom Cruise area of the bracket, we have our number one overall seed, Ikiru, versus our number 32 seed, Notorious. All right. Now, I think these are equally surprising if you had just, like, given us the list of movies at the beginning of the season and said, like, pick your number one, pick your 32. What do you think it's going to mm-hmm. be? I would have never guessed that our overall number one seed would be this Japanese movie from over 70 years ago, probably like one of our lowest downloaded episodes of the season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Like, because when yep. people hear Kurosawa, they're thinking, okay, maybe Rashomon, maybe Seven Samurai. Rashman. Rashman. Ikiru just seemed to really work for you, Brad. I think this might have been your number one seed overall in your yes. heartfelt rankings. Yeah, it sure was. I absolutely loved Akiru. It just touched something deep within my soul about the beauty of humanity and how important it is to not be cynical. Mm. I think that I've spent probably a solid 30 to 40% of my life in a very cynical state of mind. And it's really tiring. Mm. And something like Akiru just lifts the spirit. And so I I think it's worthwhile to watch films that are dedicated to this idea of like, I'm going to spend my life in service to something greater than my own wants and desires. Uh, The the absolute gall of you to have just finished saying that your entire goal here is to crush my hopes and dreams and then be like, (laughs) you know what? This movie reminds me not to be cynical, but you are the epitome of a hypocrite, sir. No, I'm I'm not cynical at all. I am so hopeful that I will get to destroy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, it's going up against Notorious, our 32 seed, which let's be frank, Brad. It's a movie that didn't work for us, but I don't know that I would flat out call it a bad movie. Like we didn't really watch any films that I'm like, that was a poor movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's it's like a six point five, seven out of 10. But yeah, if that's the worst thing we watched all season, we did OK. Yeah. And I'm never going to think about it ever again because it is going into the fiery furnace, my friends. Yep. No debate here. Ikiru is our first entrant into the round of 16. And that takes us to our next matchup. We're going all Kurosawa, apparently, in this bracket because we have the 16 seed Ron up against the 17 seed Rashomon. And this really sucked for me. And the reason that they're both at 16 and 17 is because I ranked them very highly and Brad ranked them very lowly. And mm. when we scored them out in the middle of the season, they were right in the middle. So this this totally makes sense. The problem is that, like, in my personal ranking, Rashomon is my highest ranked movie of the season, Brad. No. My highest. You went Ikiru. I went Rashomon. Yeah. You, Rashomon? Yeah. Out of all the films. More than anything else. I just, I don't know what it was. When I watched that movie this time around, I was, I was shooketh, as the kids say. (laughs) I I could not get over that movie. And it, like, legit pained me when we got on the horn the next day and you were like, yeah, this didn't work for me at all. And I kind of hated it. And now I don't know if I'm ever going to like Kurosawa. Yeah. I was flabbergasted, man. It was a rough opening. And even, like, to think that, like, a year and a half ago... I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to watch Seven Samurai. And you were like, nah, that's too long. Start with Rashomon. That, that's the best film to start Kurosawa with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, okay, I trust you, Bob. You're the expert. And then here we are, <laughs> where Rashman was hot garbage. Bob, I'll make you a deal here. Yeah. 
Uh, are you ready for this? Yeah, let's hear it. I will go back and give Rashomon a second chance mm-hmm. if you put Ron on to the next round. I know for a fact that you're just going to keep picking Akiru to win in the next round, so it doesn't really matter that much. But I'd rather if Ron's going to go on to the next round, I'd rather it be the result of the coin of destiny. I believe in Rashomon and I'm going to move it on here. And well, I, if you believe in Rashomon, then then you th- you would think that it would work a second time when I watch it. Yeah, but like, why would I? It, you were not going to watch it because it's not going to exist anymore. Yeah, By our true. criteria. I, I, yeah. Okay, so I'm assuming you're moving Ron onto the second round. I am. I, right. Ron was decent. I enjoyed it, it much more than Rashomon. <laughs> I think that they're both masterpieces. So, like, I don't really care. But Rashomon is the one I preferred. So let's freaking flip the coin. This might be the earliest coin of destiny flip we've ever had. It's like on our yeah. second pick. Brad, yeah. I, I guess we'll go by seeds here. Uh, 16 seed is Ron. So that'll be heads. And Rashomon will be Tails. Brad, flip that coin. Robert, this coin has come up heads. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ron, moving on to the next round. All right, so Ron is moving on. I am already, uh, my hopes and dreams are crushed. We're moving to the next matchup, which is the number nine seed, City Lights, up against the number 24 seed, The Hurt Locker. Now, City Lights, once again, Brad, is a movie that underwhelmed you, and I I still, I just don't get it, like, whatever. (laughs) However, you weren't really a huge Hurt Locker guy either, so I'm really interested to hear what your pick is here. Uh, this was kind of a tough one because there's definitely moments of Hurt Locker that you're like, oh, yeah, Bigelow has a vision and it really works in these like three or four scenes mm-hmm. in that movie. Mm-hmm. City Lights overall, I think overall was a better film, but didn't quite have the highs that Hurt Locker had. Overall, though, I, I think I am going to go with City Lights. All right. that's uh, Listen, man, I know that some of your poor taste is going to catch up to me at some point in this bracket. <laughs> but, like, thank you for at least moving City Lights on one round. <laughs> like, I can die happy now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no. Hurt Locker, I'll say this. The scene of him pulling up that bomb. Oh, it's great. Uh, is gorgeous. It's also, like, like, in the first three minutes of the movie. Yep. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm down with that. City Lights is moving on. OK, and that takes us to our last matchup in this region. The number eight seed, the prestige up against the number 25 seed shadow of a doubt. I think that I don't really need to discuss this that much. The prestige is a much better film than I remember it being. And shadow mm-hmm. of a doubt is a movie that a lot of critics appreciate. But I think for more historical reasons about Hitchcock's development than about the movie mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. And the prestige is just better. Yeah. I, I will say this in, in shadow of a doubt's defense. It's way more charming than it has any right to be. Mm-hmm. There is something about Teresa Wright's performance. That's just incredible. And she is wonderful. 
but she has a really weird relationship with her uncle that if we, as I said in the episode, if we held it up to the book of Leviticus, they would probably <laughs> be cast into the fiery furnace and we're going to get rid of Shadow of a Doubt. Wow. I have never heard anyone defend uh, Leviticus so so vehemently, but there you go. Uh, we all need a reason to get rid of movies, and Brad found his. That completes that region. Brad, let's move down into our, I guess, southwest region here, which is going to be called want, what? Who, who do you want to name it after? This is your choice. I don't know. Who reminds you of the southwest? This is the Tommy Lee Jones region. I want, I want this. I want this to be like the No Country for Old Men, Tommy Lee Jones region. Are you sure it shouldn't be the uh, Gary Oldman region? No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, we're kicking things off with our number four overall seed, Rope, up against the twenty-nine seed, Gran Torino. Gran Torino is a movie, Brad, that I like legitimately can't remember where we shook out on that movie because. I go back and forth on like, was it actually better than I remember or was it even worse than I remember? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think the answer is yes. Yeah. I think it's appropriately ranked at 29 on the year. So the, thi the thing is, when we were reviewing Gran Torino, I believe that we had a guest on. Mm -hmm. And un unfortunately and fortunately, we've been going through and for our patrons, we've been redoing some of our season one episodes. And we had just watched Million Dollar Baby. And somehow in the mix of watching those two films, <laughs> we were like 10 minutes into the Gran Torino episode. And I realized that I was giving all my reactions as if I had watched Million Dollar Baby. And that's what we were <laughs> reviewing. Because <laughs> there were so many things that felt like the same movie that I was like, I don't, I don't even know what's going on here. So I'm kind of with you, Bob. I don't remember almost anything about Gran Torino. All right, give me just 10 seconds here, Brad, on I'm shocked at at how Rope is number four because you seemed slightly cooler on it in our episode. I mean, it's very mm -hmm. highly ranked for me, but it's much more highly ranked on your list than I would have expected. When it came time for you to sort these movies by heart, why is Rope rising higher than we would have thought? Uh, I, do you remember what, where, like, I placed it at? I, yeah, I have it pulled up. Let me see. I was thinking I put it around the 10 area. You have it at number eight on the season. Oh, eight. Mm hmm Uh, I think that at the end of the day, I just love a good theater movie. Mm hmm You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, the, uh, Birdman or the Unexpected Ignorance of Virtue, whatever that, whatever that one's called. Like movies like that, I'm just like, there is something about taking theater and putting it on film mm -hmm. that I, I just really enjoy. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I liked Rope. I think you see Hitchcock doing some really interesting things. And if not for the strange, weird Jimmy Stewart ending speech, I, I think that that really is a, a top tier film. All right. Rope is moving on into the, the round of 16. But we have three more picks to make here on this side of the bracket, and then we'll try our second whiskey. I think we can go pretty quickly here. I I'm, I'm assuming that we're in lockstep here, Brad. The number 13 overall seed, the Gold Rush, is going up against the number 20 seed, Dunkirk. Now, the Gold Rush is, I think that was the highest rated Chaplin movie for you. You really liked the mm -hmm. Gold Rush. It is my least favorite of the Chaplin movies that we watched. Asinine. Uh, uh, which is fine because I still think it's better than Dunkirk. Dunkirk is probably my least favorite Christopher Nolan movie. 
and I'm okay with that. Like, are, are you moving the gold rush on here? I am. I, I will speak in defense of, of Dunkirk. I truly think it is one of the better World War II films out there. I think it's unique and fun and interesting. And in, in the cinematic universe of World War II, I think it's a very... It's just a really great entry. So I, I'm a big fan of Dunkirk, but I'll never watch it again. <laughs> All right, that takes us to the number 12 seed, Seven Samurai, up against the number 21 seed, Ben-Hur. Seven Samurai, one of the most highly regarded films of all time. I like it a lot. And I think the more the more I think about it as an achievement in movie making, the more I respect it. Like nobody had made a movie like that to that point. And it precedes Ben-Hur by three years. And in scope, it is as big as Ben-Hur. It's not my favorite Kurosawa. I don't think it was your favorite Kurosawa. But mm. I think it's leaps and bounds better than Ben-Hur. And I'm interested to hear what you think. Uh, what I think is, does Seven Samurai have a chariot race, Bob? Because <laughs> I'm not. pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure it doesn't. And that chariot race freaking slaps, bro. There is no way, Brad, that Seven Samurai is a is a worse movie overall than Ben Hur, though. But would I take the ten minutes of some of the best? most exciting filmmaking of all time over seven hours of seven samurai. I don't know, man, that, that final raid on the village is, is gripping movie making. <laughs> it's so it's good. So go- Did you really move Ben Hur on here? <laughs> no, I, I moved seven. Samurai oh gosh. On. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, just... I was like, there's no freaking way. Man. <laughs> no, I, I love Ben Hur. I enjoy the melodrama of the majority of the film. And I will once again say that 10 minute chariot race. Jeez Louise, man. I like I'm still at the edge of my seat. So please, everyone go out and watch Ben Hur. It is worth it. All right. Finally, we have the number five seed dial M for murder up against the 28 seed Memento. A movie that uh, lots of people who grew up in the early 2000s love. A movie that you and I watched together, which is a rarity. Hmm. And sure is. and spent most of the runtime saying, like, what the F is this? Like, this is so poorly done. <laughs> and then, to his credit, Christopher Nolan lands the plane in the final 20 minutes of that movie. He sure does. And I, I remember saying to you, I think I went from, like, a 4.5 to an 8.5 on this movie. <laughs> you were lower. You were like it. Th- the ending does not a great movie make, and so yes. uh, that I think that's partially why it's so far down the list. Also, you really seemed to love Dial M for Murder. Oh, dude. The and once again, uh, I'll say what I said in that episode. Rope was great. Dial M for Murder was fun. Mm-hmm. Like that movie is just delightful and entertaining and gripping and and I. Honestly, at the end of the day, like the opening few minutes of Dial M for Murder are a little rough and it never stops from there. The last few minutes of Rope don't land the plane very well. And I think that that is more of a detriment to that film than the opening scene is for Dial M for Murder. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm moving uh, M for Murder on. All right, so am I. I think that's a pretty pretty much a no-brainer on this podcast based on our scores here. So that means that the first half of our round of 16 consists of Ikiru, Ron, City Lights, 
The Prestige, Rope, The Gold Rush, Seven Samurai, and Dial M for Murder. Three Kurosawas, two uh, Hitchcocks, two Chaplins, and a Nolan. Some heavy hitters here, man. Yeah, it sure is. All right, listen, it's time to drink whiskey. We've been talking a lot. Let's dive into the next barrel bourbon that we have for today, which is called Tale of Two Islands. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so this next whiskey is called the Barrel Bourbon Cask Finish Series, colon, Tale of Two Islands. Now, apparently, a few years ago, uh, Barrel released a rum that was finished in peated Isla single malt barrels. Mm-hmm. And they called it the Tale of Two Islands Rum. Now they've Bro, taken. Tell me, tell me that doesn't sound incredible. It does sound. <laughs> it, it sounds funky. Like I don't know. Like on the top, the top of my head, if I would love that, but it sounds interesting. Yes. Now they've taken those barrels that are left over from that process, and then they've now put bourbon into those barrels to finish them. So it is a bourbon finished in Isla Scotch barrels that also held rum. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I will say the one thing about barrel is that if you become an expert at explaining their finishes, you'll be the coolest whiskey guy in the room because <laughs> they are confusing and delicious. Once again, this is a 73% corn, 23% rye, 4% malted barley mash bill. It's clocking in at 118.22 proof. It's five years of age. Brad. Let's dive into this. What are you picking up on the nose? Oh, man, dude. So this one, you barely get a hint of smokiness, mm -hmm. which is all the smokiness I want. There, mm -hmm. There's not much there. Beyond that, I feel like you get really beautiful notes of vanilla. Mm -hmm. I get that little hint of cane sugar from the rum influence. It gets almost tropical, like a mango, pineapple type of feel to the nose. And then there's the longer I sat with it, the more the vanilla became pronounced. And I, I almost got like a, a butterscotch mm -hmm. cheesecake mm -hmm. type of feel. There's a lot going on here and I am happy. I've been learning more about rums. I like I, I, I knew next to nothing about rums until the last year or so. And I know that Jamaican rum in particular is like known for the funkiness of the rum. Like people like to use it in cocktails a lot because it has such a funky character to it. And I think when you really dig into this one, I'm not sure if it's the Isla Scotch influence or the Jamaican rum, but that like you said butterscotch. And I think that's a really good note because there's definitely some saline forward notes in here. That's not just butterscotch, but like salted butter. And the more I pushed into that, the more I was like, there's something behind this sweetness that's like. I can't tell if it's like garlicky or oniony or like, like there's a savory note here underneath all the layers of vanilla and I got coconut on this like it's just really good and really funky and I know I sound like I'm describing like the worst mashup of food ever right now but it's freaking intriguing man and I'm about to take a sip Brad 
give your tasting notes because I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, man, this is delicious whiskey. So the the first offering we had is like really solid. I enjoyed it. This is back to the the barrel that I know and yep. love. Yep. I got all sorts of of butterscotch, buttercream. I, I liked your note of salted butter. Mm-hmm. That really came through strong. It's fruity. The the smoke kind of disappears a little bit for me here, but the overall flavor is just this explosion of tropical, delicious, sugary everything. I have never had this on a, a whiskey before, and I'm sure I'm going to sound like a crazy person, but it reminds me of eating a salad with like, you know, craisins or something in it and a vinaigrette, but it also yeah. has like green onion or leek or something in it. Like there is just an oniony note to this. That is mm. freaking fascinating. I, I can't get over it. There's a funk to it. And it's more of like that oniony, you know, gym sock funk than it is like the the rose petal funk of Willet. And Brad, as a guy who does not like eating onions, I will say I am here for it. This is just man, this is what I love about barrel. They find flavors to mash together that you mm-hmm. never would have thought. And you come out the other side being like, that was phenomenal. Like this is this is a huge step up from the foundation. And I, you know, yeah. if I can speak freely, I liked the foundation fine. This is like stamp of approval right here. Yes. Hundred percent. Barrel, our hats are off. My barrel hat that I purchased at the Kentucky Bourbon Festival, I have now taken off due to your excellence at blending whiskeys. <laughs> Thank you for your oniony whiskey. And Brad, let's get back into the bracket. What do you say? Let's get to it. Now we are moving into our northeast bracket, which I am going to call the Cary Grant bracket. Oh, that transatlantic thing. I feel like if you're going to have a transatlantic accent, you have to be from like New Hampshire, uh, the the Massachusetts, the the islands. I I figured it was either going to be that or like, you know, like the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Southie (laughs) Boston bracket. Oh, Actually, it could be the Mark Wahlberg bracket. There it is. Let's do that. The Wahlberg bracket. (laughs) All right. So we are up in the Wahlberg bracket with our number two overall seed, William Wyler's The Best Years of Our Lives, going against Billy Wilder's Sunset Boulevard. And the thing is, that that seed is number 31, folks, if if you didn't realize that already. Sunset Boulevard is one of the most acclaimed movies of all time, and it is a movie that has just never fully worked for me. Like, I like it. It's good. There are parts of it that are devastating. And like that final sequence with Norma Desmond completely losing her mind is just very affecting. The movie as a whole doesn't hang together for me the way it apparently does for most people. And I'm at least very grateful for you, Brad, that you're united with me in that opinion because we both rated it pretty low among this season's movies. Yeah, I, I would say that Sunset Boulevard might be my lowest ranked movie. I want to say that I put it at 31 or 32. I was very unimpressed with Sunset Boulevard. It just felt so mean without any real reason for the meanness or anything redeeming it just felt caustic and i did not like that Mm -hmm. it was not my cup of tea 
Caustic is a good word. Uh, meanwhile, the best years of our lives shines a very harsh light on the realities of soldiers returning from war, but it has a great big old heart. And Brad and I are softies. And so I think, Brad, mm-hmm. without much more discussion, that is moving on here, right? 100%. That takes us to the next matchup, the 15-seed Roman Holiday versus the 18-seed Mystic River. Mystic River being a movie that I remember really loving and coming in being like, it's better than Million Dollar Baby. And then to your point earlier, we rewatched Million Dollar Baby and I was like, <laughs> oh, absolutely not. That movie is so much better than Mystic River. Uh, I'm surprised to see it this high, Brad. Did you have it ranked highly? Um, I want to say it was in like the 12 to 15 area. Uh, yeah, you had it at number 11. Okay. You had Roman Holiday at 15. And I'm wondering because I remember you really liking Roman Holiday. Is it just because we ended up being big fans of Sabrina that Roman Holiday sank in your estimation? I think so. I think Sabrina was just a masterpiece of how to bring Audrey Hepburn to the silver screen. I think Roman Holiday was really fun. But the, you know, I I need to watch it again to kind of get the taste of Cary Grant out of my mouth. But like the whole film, I just sat there and I was like, oh, this should be Cary Grant. Mm. It'd be so much better with Cary Grant. (laughs) And I think I walked away thinking like, yep, really fun, really nice little romantic comedy that Cary Grant should have been in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still think it moves on here. I think it's a better movie than Mystic River. I don't know what you picked. I actually picked Mystic River wow. on here. Okay. Well, yeah, and and I will say, Audrey Hepburn's my girl. Mm-hmm. Like, I have had a crush on her since I was like 10 years old watching Charade. Mm-hmm. So I, this is a, genuinely was a difficult pick for me, but I just, I really liked Mystic River. The The more we moved on from it, the more I think that it was a really beautifully sad film that I it, it worked for me. So I, I did choose for it to go on here. I don't really care at all what wins this matchup because I think it's going to get freaking slaughtered in the next round. <laughs> but for the, you know, for the clicks, for the uh, the downloads, let's flip this freaking coin, man. Roman Holiday against Mystic River. We'll do Roman Holiday heads, Mystic River tails. Brad, flip that coin. Bob, Roman Holiday is moving on. All right. Roman Holiday is uh, awaiting its fate in the next round. As we move on to the next matchup, the number 10 seed high and low up against the number 23 seed Stalag 17. Stalag. Stalag 17, good movie, tonally kind of a mess. (laughs) <laughs> like it's a comedy and then it's really serious, like super serious. And it's also one of those movies that like I'm looking at the name of the movie and every single time I see it, every time I glance over at this sheet next to us, Brad, I forget that we watched that movie. Like it is yes. just yes. I don't, I don't want to call it a forgettable movie because it was good. And like I, once I think about it, there were good scenes. I can remember moments. I just like I look at it and I was like, oh, my gosh, we watched that this season. Hmm. I mean, we did watch it very early in the season, and, and I think there's a few movies kind of like that where you're like, yeah, you know, that one didn't stick with me quite mm-hmm. as well. Here's the thing, man. When I look at, at Stalag 17, 
I think that it it sounds like a German impressionistic like foreign film. <laughs> like for some reason, the fact that there's a number in there just totally throws me off. I don't remember a ton about that movie. Mm. And I really liked High and Low, and I will say this, Bob, I think I was a little bit cool on High and Low when we recorded, but the more I I sit down and like reflect on the season, mm-hmm. I really liked High and Low. That's a damn good movie, dude. And it's, it's such a good movie. It's so contemporary too. Like it it plays in 2023 so well. Mhm. Yeah, it yeah. moves on really easily for me. Yes, same here. And similarly, uh, our number seven overall seed, Paths of Glory, up against the 26 seed, Zero Dark Thirty. Once again, a movie that I loved Zero Dark Thirty when it came out. And I watched it back again, and I was like, man, this does not work the way I thought it did (laughs) 10 years ago. Yeah. Paths of Glory was also a movie that, like, was in my top 50 of all time or something. And I watched it again this time, and I, I thought, all right, this might be like a nine and a half instead of a 10. But it is still, to me leaps and bounds better than zero dark 30 yeah yeah i would not want to get caught holding the collar uh for (laughs) zero dark 30 here so it's pretty easy for me to move paths of glory on and i'm sure we'll talk about paths of glory more because what a beautiful film all right uh that takes us into our southeast quadrant brad what's the uh what's the name here (laughs) I feel like Adam Sandler is the most Florida man actor that we have. The the Bobby Boucher. <laughs> the Bobby Boucher <laughs> bracket. <laughs> uh, all right. What's our first matchup in the Boucher region? Uh, our first matchup is the number three seed, the aforementioned Sabrina versus number 30 point break. Bob, you did not remember that we watched Stalag 17. I did not remember a thing about point break. Yeah. I legitimately had to look it up. I am an FBI agent. (laughs) Not only, okay, seriously, Point Break might be for me the worst movie we watched this year. And it's like, it's fine and it's fun. Yeah. What I'm most impressed by is I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. When we recorded the Sabrina episode, I spent the entire episode trying to convince you, Brad, this is like a perfect movie. And you were like, yeah, Bob, this is really, really good. I like, Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to stand in your way because I have nothing but positive things to say. It's not a it's not a 10 out of 10. And then I looked over your your sheet, Brad, and it is really highly ranked on your sheet. So it seems like another one that crept up on you as you reevaluated. Yeah, I, I think that when I took a full look at the entire list, my my nostalgia kicked in a little bit because I've been watching that movie since I was a kid and just thinking through all the performances I I think Sabrina holds up incredibly well. It is such a beautifully charming and fun movie, and it it might be Audrey at her peak. So I easily <laughs> this might have been the easiest choice, like even easier than a Akiru over Notorious. Like Point Break is so ridiculous. Like I I can't believe we watched that movie, Bob. <laughs> I'm glad we did. It was a fun film to watch. But man, oh man. it. I guess I'll say this. It is the least like all of the other 31 films of any film in this season. Oh, for sure. All right, so Sabrina's moving on. That takes us to one of the more challenging matchups for me personally, the 14-seed Dr. Strangelove up against the 19-seed The 39 Steps. 
Strange Love is a movie that I had like moderate respect for and then watched it this time. And I was like, oh, this was 50 years ahead of its time. And it works amazingly until the last five minutes. And I feel like it kind of falls apart. 39 Steps is a movie that I'm like, oh, this was also 50 years ahead of its time, but it was made in the 1930s. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. it, it, just, it does still feel a little bit antiquated. I'm shocked at how quickly it moved for me. I know that you were not as high on 39 steps as I was. Nah. So I guess I'm asking, like, I'm assuming you moved Strange Love on here. Is Strange Love really a contender for you? Or like where are you falling on that movie generally? Um Strange Love was fun. It was entertaining. It definitely made me laugh. I, I wouldn't call it a contender. Mm. So it seems like it is a a lamb to the slaughter for Sabrina in the next round. But yeah, a little bit. I ultimately went with Strange Love here, too. Like, I just think that it for being it's really hard to make comedies that are that far ahead of their time. I think comedy is like often a a prisoner of the moment. You know, if you go back and watch some of like the teen comedies from when we were growing up, you watch them today. You're like, wow, this aged poorly, (laughs) really quickly. So to be that far ahead of its time just by itself. Uh, you know, and you take all the Stanley Kubrick out of it. I think that's commendable in itself. So strange love moves on for me here. Yeah. And that brings us to the second, the penultimate matchup of our first round. Modern times, our number 11 seed versus the shining, our number 22 seed. I, you know, like I respect the shining. I don't, I don't like the shining, bro. Like I just like Bob, you, you know just, mean? you just had the snootiest, like, like, uh, nasally voice I've ever heard you have. I, like, it's just, you know, like, at the end of the day, there are certain things that you, I realize that I just don't have enough logical reasons to like convince somebody. And mm-hmm. I think a sign of yep. just growing up is being like, at the end of the day, it's just not my cup of tea. <laughs> I know me. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I know like what I like. It's I know a good what I don't movie. Like. Yeah. And I think it's well made and I, I don't dislike watching it. It's just like modern times is better and I will pick that a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. I mean, Shining was worthwhile for the fact that I now understand the Jack Nicholson freezing meme. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great gif of a, of a really terrible practical effects shot. I mean- could they have picked any other facial expression to have him die in? <laughs> he has like the underbite that Leo does yeah. in The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a good comparison, man. <laughs> All right, that takes us to our last matchup. The number six seed, Unforgiven, up against the number 27 seed, The Great Dictator. At the end of last week, Brad, you said that you thought Unforgiven would be the dark horse in this bracket because I am such a champion for it. Mm-hmm. I never expected to be. And I think the the most miraculous thing about Unforgiven as a movie is it has a very slow setup. And when the turn happens that, you know, whatever his name is, Will Money uh, mm-hmm. decides to reengage in violence and 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 accepts his fate <laughs> that he can't ever do anything else. Yep. It's such a mournful, tragic movie. Like, I I think I said in the episode. I could have spent the last hour or 40 minutes or whatever of that movie just crying because it's like it, there's nothing to glorify in it. And it is just it's just I think it might be Eastwood's best movie. It's so freaking good, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful film. 
beautifully shot, beautiful acting, beautiful story. And it's really sad and it, it moves you in an incredible way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Unforgiven moves on. We, I mean, we have to give great dictator its due. Like, we just did an interview with Scott Iman, who literally wrote the book on Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. And the great dictator plays such an important role in Chaplin's life. It, it really set the stage for a lot of unfortunate things to come. But man, oh man, what a movie. All right. So our last eight entrants into the round of 16 are The Best Years of Our Lives, Roman Holiday, High and Low, Paths of Glory, Sabrina, Dr. Strangelove, Modern Times, and Unforgiven. And Brad, that might be the most solid list of eight (laughs) movies we've ever had come up. Like, really, really good movies. I'm... uh, I'm kind of nervous to see what happens in the next round. But before we get there, we have one more whiskey to try today. What do you say we get to it? Let's get to it, man. All right. So our final whiskey of the day is the Barrel Cask Finish Series Ambarana. If you are a whiskey person that's chronically online, uh, then the Ambarana craze has come and gone for you. This is a specific type of uh, wood. I think it's an oak tree that's grown primarily in Japan. I should have researched this before we started recording, Brad. Uh, but they've been finishing barrels in it for a number of years now, and a lot of different companies are doing it. It kind of exploded on the scene a few years ago. And, you know, as people do when they want the newest, you know, cutting edge thing, everyone's turned against it now. Yeah. Uh, also, fun fact, uh, native country of Brazil. Brazil. Oh, wow. I was way off. <laughs> uh, you know, don't take my word for anything, folks. So anyway, uh we had not ever tried an Ambarana product on this show until I mean, until today. I don't think we ever drank an Ambarana finished anything together until we went to the Kentucky Bourbon Festival this year and we tried two or three of them. There was one from Nulu that was like really heavily <laughs> Ambarana in flavor. Yeah. What I love about this is it reminds me of I don't know, like, I don't think it's honeysuckle. There's a very specific plant that grows wild in in these parts, Brad, in the summertime. And it has that sweet, like, it might be goldenrod. I'm not sure. Like, there's just a sweet yeah. polleny smell to it. And it reminds me of summer, and I love it to death. It's one of my favorite scents in the world. Amberana finishes have it on it in, in spades. And yeah. just getting into the nose here, it has it again, and I'm in love. Yeah, 100%, man. It is a really delicate floral nose that has that foundation of like caramel, brown sugar, vanilla that you want. Mm-hmm. But all of this this floral nonsense going on above it, that's really, really nice. You know, they, they offer tasting notes on these little cards they provided to us from the manufacturer. And they, they mentioned goldenrod and then honeycomb. I don't know that it reminds me of real life honeycomb so much, but it does remind me a little bit of, do you remember honeycomb cereal from when we were kids? <laughs> that stuff, uh, yeah. first of all, freaking slapped, but it has yeah, that dude. like, almost like there's a wheat character underneath it as well. And mm-hmm. once again, there's no wheat in the mash bill here, but it has that soft floralness to it. I'm, I'm like my, I'm salivating, Brad, I'm going to take a sip while yeah. you give your tasting notes. Yeah, th- this really does remind me of like a honey that you buy locally at like your farmer's market. 
It's got a really nice uh, floral palette, but the sweetness of that honey flavor keeps me interested. I will say, I wish there was a little more depth on this. I I think Mm. it leans into the light territory Mm -hmm. a little too much. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's not that depth and richness of experience that I get with a lot of other barrel products. It's so heavily floral. Like it has that honey and whatever that plant is. I'm going to just assume it's goldenrod at this point. Uh, and it's like it's like inhaling pollen. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, I'm with you, though. The issue for me is like if I could draw a horizontal line across the middle of my tongue, there's like a flavor explosion on the front and mid palate. And then there's like nothing else behind it. It like it's a a lot of alcohol and ethanol, too. And it almost like numbs your palate a little bit. But there's nothing on the back end. And it's just like a very pleasant floral finish. But there's not a lot of depth to it. And yet. There's a part of me that's like, Bob, you know, this is like a 50 out of 50 whiskey. You know that this is like (laughs) your ideal whiskey. I don't know how to explain it, dude. This hits like. Everything that I wish I could I could put into like a candle to burn is like mm-hmm. here in the flavor of this whiskey. I freaking love this. I know it's not going to be for everybody. I know that objectively this is not a 50 out of 50 whiskey, but there's a part of me that just wants to cross my arms and stamp my feet and be like, yeah, it is. This is a perfect does whiskey. It, does it taste like a father and son restoring a good relationship at the end of a movie? It sure does. In in <laughs> a golden hued sunset. Ooh. Mm. Are are they in a field full of goldenrod, bro? It's like it's like that scene where uh, Russell Crowe is like touching the tops of the wheat. Oh, in the field. dude, yeah, but, dude. But shot by Terrence Malick, you know. That's <laughs> that's where I'm at on this. It's so good, Brad. Yeah, honestly, Bob. As much as I complained about the palate, the the flavor that it leaves on my tongue is so unique in the world of whiskey. I don't know if I've ever had anything like it. And let me tell you, I really like it. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is an incredible product. It's going to take you by surprise. It's not something that you would expect out of Barrel for how rich most of their their whiskeys are. But I think that alone makes it worth buying. All right, man. We have ended on a high note. It's time to get back into this round of 16 and narrow it down to eight before we get out of here for the day. All right, so back into the Northwest Quadrant at the Tom Cruise Quadrant. I don't know. Whatever. Obviously. All yes. right, we've got Ikiru up against Ron. Now, Ikiru is our number one overall seed. Brad, I don't want to be that guy, but I am probably oh. going to. And here's the only reason why. I think that both of these movies are totally deserving of a spot in the, the round of eight. I have Ron as my fourth ranked movie on the season. I have Ikiru as my eighth ranked movie of the season. They're both like, that's the thing is like, it's just a couple degrees difference, but I didn't even consider either of these against each other because I had Rashomon going all the way to the round of eight here. So Mm. now that I think about like Ikiru or Ron, I don't know which one to pick. Ikiru, I remember us saying is like at least 20 minutes too long. And that's the same thing we said about Ron. And... Bro, Ron's like 45 minutes too long. I really like That's Ron, a long man. man, that movie, movie worked. Man. Talk about another tragedy on the level of like Unforgiven. Like this is straight Shakespeare and just the color and the choreography of the fights. And I'm moving Ron on here, man. I am. Oh, go go home, Bob. I Ron am. Does, Ron does not move on over Akiru. Uh, listen. Akiru is 
the most beautiful movie we've watched all season. I don't know about that, man. Rashomon. The Rash Man. How how much am I going to mess up your personal bracket if Ikiru gets knocked out here? Uh, it's not going to get knocked out. The coin <laughs> of the destiny is on my side, Bob. <laughs> All right, man. Let's uh, let's flip that coin. We've got Ikiru as heads, Ron as tails. Brad, go ahead, flip the coin. Bob. Mm. Ron is not a good movie. Mm-hmm. At all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't deserve to move on. But, but, <laughs> but, but it's moving on. Oh, man. All right. So now tell me, how much did I mess up your bracket? Uh, enough that I am going to pick against you the rest of, <laughs> the, the, rest of the season. <laughs> All right, well, that takes us to our next matchup, which is City Lights up against The Prestige. I think I'm more interested to hear your pick here because I'm I'm kind of like, all right, City Lights moves on. But then I forget that you didn't really love City Lights that much. So did you pick The Prestige here? Obviously. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, th- yeah, this isn't me messing with you. I, I very clearly chose Prestige over City Lights. City Lights is fine. It was a decent movie. Prestige is just... Awesome. I, I think it is one of Nolan's best films. And and like, I know you're not a Nolan bro, but you have to agree that oh, Nolan yeah. is an incredible director. Oh, 100%. And I, and I think Prestige is up there. So yeah, th- this was uh, honestly an easy choice for me. It was an easy choice for me in the complete opposite direction, too. That's that's <laughs> like, I probably spent a second and a half thinking about this matchup. And that's what I love about this podcast, because we're probably going to knock out one of the most highly regarded movies of all time in favor of the Nolan bros. But Brad, City Lights is going... Wait, which one's the higher ranked? Let's see. Uh, Prestige is one rank higher. Prestige is the eight seed. City Lights is the nine seed. So Prestige will be heads. City Lights will be tails. Brad, flip the coin. Tales, City Lights. City Lights moves on, Bob. Wow. Now, Brad, uh, this has been a rough, rough round of sixteen for you so far. Which means yeah, that my, I'm... Uh, my bracket winner got knocked out. Yeah, this is why you don't pick. You don't pick Pitt to win in the, in the uh, March Madness every year. Pitt is one of those teams yeah. that gets knocked out in the second round every year. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're down to Rope versus the Gold Rush. For me, this was another one that was like a no-brainer because the Gold Rush, not my favorite chaplain. So I picked Rope to move on. Where did you land? Uh, I picked the Gold Rush to move on, Bob. We might have like eight consecutive coin flips here, Brad. Yeah, we sure might. I I genuinely picked the Gold Rush to move on. I I think that I just decided. I was like, I like Dial M for Murder more. Mm Mm-hmm. And Charlie Chaplin is one of the most famous actors and directors of all time. I'm going to move the gold rush on mm-hmm. because it, for me, it was my absolute favorite of the Chaplins. And it had, I would put a top five seat like still from a movie mm-hmm. that I've ever seen in my life. 100%. And that, that was enough for me to move it on past rope. You know, I had a similar thing in later rounds where I was like, I like rope better than dial M. And so I picked something else to move on over dial M for murder. So 
I understand the the impulse here, but we mm-hmm. are once again at a standstill until you flip the coin of destiny. So rope is heads, the gold rush is tails, flip the coin. Damn it, Bob. This is uh this is a disappointing turn of events. Mm. Rope is moving on. Man, this is why you don't call destiny down on your side, man. You can't this is not Babe Ruth. You don't get to call your shot here, man. <laughs> don't worry, Bob. Your time is coming. I'm, I'm sure it is. And our last matchup on this half of the bracket is the number 12 seed, Seven Samurai, up against the number five seed, Dial M for Murder. Now, Brad, this is a hard one for me. I think these are both really good movies. Mm-hmm. I think Dial M for Murder is obviously like the more fun movie. Seven Samurai has the weight of, like, cinema history on its side. Yep. Was this a hard pick at all for you, or was it pretty easy? It was a difficult pick. I really liked Seven Samurai. Bob, I think I gave it a nine or a nine and a half. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a big Seven Samurai fan. That is a movie. If I wanted to show, like, certain friends of mine, I'm like, oh, I could watch Seven Samurai with them, and I think they'd really enjoy it. Uh Uh-huh. The fact that it came out so long ago is completely in Japanese and is in black and white. And I still am like, yeah, I know people who would like watching this is a testament to what a great movie it is. Mm-hmm. But I moved Dial M for Murder on. And I moved Seven Samurai on. And this oh is this is the first time in film and whiskey history that we have had four consecutive coin flips. Like I am shocked, dude. The only yeah. like the only time that we've had something even approaching this is when we had a coin flip a couple seasons in a row for the champion. Yes, we did. Yeah. So, all right. I, I'm also worried that the listeners are going to be getting sick of the sound effect for flip that coin. <laughs> should I just insert like the Benny Hill theme at this point? Like, should we pick something else for the coin flip? Uh, I think so. Yes. I mean, it is working for me so far. Yeah, we'll see, man. Uh, Dial M. Now that Akiru is out, that that could do some damage in my updated bracket. I'm okay with Dial M moving on if it does. So that will be heads as the five seed. Seven Samurai is going to be tails as the 12 seed. Brad, with a new sound effect, flip that coin. Bob, Seven Samurai is moving on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have never... I... Wow. I won't say anything else. Let's move on. We're going to the right half of the bracket now, where the number two seed, the best years of our lives, is going up against Roman Holiday, the 15 seed. This was not, this did not take me very long, Brad. I think that uh, the best years of our lives just moves on here. Yeah, I think that Roman Holiday has a lot of merits, Bob. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that it's an easy choice over best years of our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Well, that didn't take much, did it? <laughs> All right. Yeah, best best years of our lives is an incredible film. It's so good, man. As much as I would like to be the spoiler role here, yeah, I, I, I moved best years on. I, I moved it on over Mystic River. Obviously, I'm going to move it on over Roman Holiday. Would you like to take us to our next matchup here? Yeah, so we are moving down to high and low versus our, our number 10 seed versus paths of glory, our number seven seed. This was a harder one for me, too. 
Pads of Glory, not quite as great as I remember. Like, I mean, really great movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd give it a 10 anymore. Right. High and Low, a movie that I had like pretty much forgotten about. Also really solid. Yeah. I still think Paths of Glory is probably on the whole the better movie. But I, I could be swayed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Bob, I'm just going to show my cards here. I moved high and low on. Oh, nice. I, I think that high and low is just sneakily one of the best films we watched this year. Mm-hmm. I think that the initially I wasn't certain about the setup of, you know, the first 30, 40 minutes of the film being in one room, essentially. And then the rest of it being a, a detective chase thriller. But man, oh man, once the movie was over and I really took time to reflect on it, I really loved High and Low. I think Paths of Glory is the best movie to put up against it because I loved Paths of Glory as well. Mm-hmm. So th- this was a this might have been the uh, probably third or fourth hardest decision of my bracket. Yeah, it was a hard one. And I'm actually like, I'm really glad that we get to flip the coin here because I think sometimes that's like, that's the best way to honor how good a movie was <laughs> is yeah. to put it in destiny's hands. So uh, we're going to say paths of glory is heads as the seven seed high and low is tails. Brad flip that coin. Uh, that's uh, that's paths of glory, Bob. Wow. Okay. So we have had coin flips on five of our first six picks here. And that leaves two more. We're moving down into the lower right quadrant where we have the three seed Sabrina. The, the Bobby Boucher. The, the Boucher region where we have Sabrina, the three seed up against Dr. Strangelove, the 14 seed. Strangelove, a movie that I appreciate more than I thought I would. It is no Sabrina, Brad. No, no, it's not. Strangelove was a lot of fun. Sabrina is incredible. I'd like Uh, there's like sometimes where I wish that I was like a more famous movie critic so that I could write one of those pieces that like gets people starting to to (laughs) reappraise a movie. Yeah, I don't know. Why is it Sabrina considered one of the best, not only Billy Wilder movies, but just romantic comedies? It's so good. I don't know. It's incredible. It's a perfect movie to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Sabrina needs to move on. My soul needs a little, little uh, uh, clemency, I think. <laughs> a salve. Uh, okay, we have <laughs> one more matchup. It's Modern Times, the 11 seed, up against Unforgiven, the 6 seed. This was really hard for me. Modern Times is probably my personal favorite Chaplin movie. I think if I was forced at gunpoint to choose one Chaplin movie to put in the vault for future generations... I'd probably pick City Lights even over Modern Times, even though I like Modern Times more. And because of that, I picked Unforgiven to move on here. Bob, we are finally in lockstep. Hmm. I also picked Unforgiven to move on. Anything you'd like to say uh, to Modern Times as we send it off into the machinery of doom? I don't remember much about it. Well, I guess that does it then, huh? <laughs> yeah, that, that's it for me, man. I I hate to say it, Bob. Chaplin just didn't make much of an impression on me. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That, like, I, yeah, I don't know what to say. 
I, <laughs> I do know that you had a really rough round of 16, man, when it comes to your movies getting into the next round, because here's our final eight films, Brad. Ron, City Lights, Rope, Seven Samurai, The Best Years of Our Lives, Paths of Glory, Sabrina, and Unforgiven. And I yeah, think five, five of my eight have been eliminated. That's the thing. And like, you know, when it comes to Ron, that wasn't my pick for this. That wasn't your pick for this. So it's like, all right, is it just going to get annihilated by City Lights in the next round? Because you didn't like City Lights either. Like, I think there's a lot of intrigue here. We're not necessarily happy about some of these picks, but that's what makes the bracket episodes so interesting. Bob, Akira is the best film on this bracket. <laughs> What, I was what, what movie? for that movie. What movie? Ikiru, huh. uh, Akira Kurosawa. I don't know if you've heard of him. I know. I feel like the that movie's peasant. been thrown into the fire and that it doesn't. Peasant that you are in the world of film, you you wouldn't understand the beauty. Huh. It's okay, Bob. You'll you'll reach that level someday. I'll get my comeuppance next time through, Brad, because we're <laughs> coming back on our next episode to finish out this bracket. We'll take this all the way down to the champion of season seven, and we have a very special whiskey planned for our last episode of season seven. But that does it for us today. So join us next time as we continue to argue with each other and drink great whiskey. For the Film and Whiskey Podcast, I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. And we'll see you next time. Next time.